This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. If you're going to have trouble, you better have community. Um, and if you don't have trouble yet, preload yourself with community because it's real hard to find once you start once you start going through trouble. Well, welcome back to uh, the Activate Podcast, uh, a resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Ryan. I'm actually filling in for, for Brandon, who's a little hoarse today. So uh, uh, we went to the bullpen today. <laughs> and uh, in this episode, we're going to be uh, continuing a conversation with uh, Pastor Christian Newsom from our series entitled Grim Reaper. For the past several episodes, we've been unpacking the Christian theology of death and suffering. And today's conversation is the second part of a message specifically on the topic of suffering. Uh, Pastor Christian, before we jump into your message, I'd like you to talk briefly about the impact this series is having in our community and around the world through our digital community. I, I heard you recently say that uh, this this specific series has revealed to you how many people are presently going through suffering. And really, two two potential questions here. Would you take a moment to comment on that? And secondly, why do you think so many people who are experiencing a season of suffering find it necessary to oftentimes keep it hidden from others? Well, a couple things, Ryan. One, uh, thanks for being with us today to host. You know, I, I started laughing at a dad joke. You know, my daughter, Casey just tells these awful dad jokes. And when you, when you said, uh, Brandon today was a little horse, uh, I just started chuckling <laughs> in my head and I thought Brandon's a pony because one of Casey's jokes is what do you, what do you call someone who's a little horse? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And she's like a pony. Um, so Brandon <laughs> today is a pony. I'm sure he'd appreciate yeah, listening to this. Yeah. And can't be with us on the podcast. <laughs> He's going to love it. Yeah. Um, and you do need to know this when you're hosting, and he can't be here. If I answer a question and it's really, really good, you have to tell me that it's good or I won't know whether or not it's good. So I'll if you can promise me, yeah, so if we can think of, of Brandon as a, as a pony and you can tell me my answers are good, we will, uh, we'll, we'll be good to go. Yeah, we'll be just um, fine. Yeah. Why, why do I think so many are, so many people are presently going, going through suffering or, or I guess how's that been magnified through this series? Um, one, just the outpouring, of communication that I've had. And I, I don't know it's that it's all of our people who are going through suffering, but here's, here's what I have become convinced of. Everyone who lives in relationship with people knows someone who's going through suffering. And I should know that, you know, I, I, um, I, I don't do well in hospitals. So like I, I am not the unless first. you wear a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> so you pass protect, out. protect my head when I fall. I don't do well in hospitals. So I am, I am not the king of, of hospital visits just because physically I don't feel very good when I go into hospitals. I've, I've passed out several times going to visit people, but every time I drive into a hospital, Ryan, every time the parking lot's full, um, I, I've, I seem I seem to find myself at Children's Mercy Hospital in downtown Kansas City, probably more more than any others. Uh, as a student pastor, it's it's where they would take all their kids when they were sick, and and now um, it seems like the the calls that I feel most compelled to go on are are parents who have sick kids who are hurting. I've never been to Children's Mercy Hospital where I haven't had to go in the parking garage and park in the third or fourth sub basement, and every time. Uh, I, I pull into that parking garage. Usually I'm with Danielle. She'll go with me. It's kind of my emotional support. 
And I'll always say, look how many people are having the worst week of their life. I mean, that like that's the reality. You you drive into these hospitals. The parking lots are always full. Somebody it just seems like somebody's always having the worst day of their life. And I think what this series has done is is I have preached it. I mean, we with scores of people in our church who really need the truth of this series uh, because they you know, as we looked at last week's message, they have had a very natural very unhealthy response to suffering. They didn't have a plan for it. They didn't have they they didn't have a proper perspective. So they fell into isolation. They fell into implosion. They fell into condemnation. They fell into anger. They fell into temptation. They just they they didn't know how to deal with it. And we have people who say, you know what, man, I realize I've been living this life the last decade because I didn't know how to deal with suffering. But more of what I've heard is I'm taking this message and I'm sending it to my friend and I'm sending it to a fraternity brother and I'm sending it to a, uh, a high school roommate or I'm sending it to a teammate or I'm sending it to my boss or I'm sending it to someone at my church because everyone knows someone who's suffering. That's just a reality. Everyone knows someone who's suffering. And I think what I've been reminded of through this series is why it, the, the reason this series is so important. One, everyone's going to go through suffering and we got to make it. But two, Everyone knows someone who's going through suffering, and we got to minister, right? We we have to make it when our time of suffering comes. We have to minister when we know friends who are suffering. And, you know, the second question that Brandon put together, why do so many people who are experiencing a season of suffering find it necessary to keep it hidden from others? A couple different reasons in, in my experience. One, they don't want to be a burden to people. Two, they're sick of people saying the wrong things. You know, no no one knows how to help them well. And three, they're just completely overwhelmed. Uh, so if we can, if we can learn, and this in this week's message we learned, here's three things you can do when somebody close to you is hurting. Be there. Don't try to fix everything. Um, if we can learn some of those tools, uh, don't wait. Don't wait to be asked for help. Just step in. If we can learn some of those tools, I think more people would be open to asking for help and suffering if they thought anyone had a clue for how to do that and do that well, and they didn't feel like they were a burden. Um, I think if the church could be mobilized to help people who are suffering, which we're trying to do, a lot more people would would ask for help if they thought it was really there and really effective. Yeah, you know, are there any maybe healthy ways, kind of a follow-up question? What are some healthy ways, because a lot of people do hide it, they don't say anything, I'm fine, everything's good. What are some healthy ways maybe to communicate to others that they are experiencing suffering? The healthiest way to communicate that you're experiencing suffering is to live in community before you start suffering. I mean, like, that's the reality. Um, you say, hey, I, w- I want to, when I experience suffering, I, I want to be able to tell people. Good, who are your people? Um, too many people wait on community till they're suffering and then they have none and they have to go post on Facebook. Here's all my dirty laundry and then get mad at the thousand and fifty two Facebook friends that don't respond because they're not really your friends. I mean, you don't live in community with them. So the best way to have community surround you, to communicate, to to, to communicate to people that you're suffering, choose to live in community before suffering happens so that when suffering comes, you've got some intimate relationships, you've got some spiritual connection, and you can reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm really hurting. It's very vulnerable to tell someone you're hurting. It's very vulnerable to tell someone you need help. And if you're not engaged in community with people before you're hurting, before you need help, it's really hard to, you know, talk to Linda at the cubicle over from yours when you've never talked to her about anything but the weather um, to just roll up your chair one day and say, you know what? I just found out a really close friend has 
cancer. Will you pray for me? Um, like you can't start there. You can't start your relationship in suffering. It's really, really difficult. So live in, choose to live in community before you start suffering. So they'll be there when you do. That's good. Yeah. Thank, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank That's you. Good. You know, and I, I had lunch with someone this week who has had some real struggles in their life. And as they have been trying to work through it, they have looked around and realized they've been isolated. They've isolated themselves and they don't have that. Yep. And that was my first advice. Like, you've got to very soon get into a group of guys. You have to choose community. I mean, right? You, like, no one has time for it. Nobody has time. You have to choose community because it is more important than something else because of what's coming out. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. If you're going to have trouble, you better have community. Um, and if you don't have trouble yet, preload yourself with community because it's real hard to find once you start once you start going through trouble. Yeah, and there are so many ways to find community at our church, meaning it doesn't just have to be in a group. Groups are great, but they could they could be serving with people. They could they could be out in the community fixing a fence for someone in need. I mean, and next thing you know, you you met some people, you became friends, you go to lunch with them, you're forming community. There are so many great ways to do that. Uh, that are just not the traditional groups. No doubt. You just you just have to put in the effort to know two or three people and to be known by two or three people. You know, in our last episode, we, we learned that suffering can always serve a purpose, and, and suffering will always produce things in us that make us more like Jesus, if we allow it. Uh, your message for Sunday unpacks four powerful ways that God can leverage our suffering for good. Uh, Pastor Christian, there are very few things I dislike more than losing control of my life. And you stated that suffering does not make us lose control as much uh, as, much as it helps us admit we have no control. What, what do we so desperately want control of in our lives that only suffering will reveal we really never had control of it in the first place? Yeah, so what what do we want to control in our lives so much? that we realize we have no control of when, when we suffer, like everything. Um, I mean, our health, our finances, uh, our, our friendships, um, our, our country, our safety. I mean, every, everything. Um, you know, several years ago, we were in uh, Israel, and we were in the Valley of Elah where David fought Goliath. And when we're in the Valley of Elah, I have, I have people take uh, rocks from the stream bed there and I have them put the initial um, of a spiritual giant that they're facing at that time in their life, and I have I have them cast it into the Valley of Elah because I said here, here's where here's where giants come to die. And years ago we were uh, we were in the Valley of Elah, and I thought my giant was fear. Uh, so I, you know I I wrote a a big F on my rock, and then I threw it as far as I could. God, I I want to kill fear in this valley. But as soon as I released the rock, it, I, I just knew in my heart I thought. I don't think I got that right. Like, yes, I'm afraid, but I don't I don't just think it's fear because I also live in a lot of faith. And I was walking back from the Valley of Elah back to our our transportation with Jeff Roberts, who um, is one of our elders. He's on our finance team. He and his wife, Gloria, helped us start our church. And we were just talking and, and he said, how you doing? You know, he's a he's a father figure in my life. And he always wants to know, you know, after a long trip, long flight foreign foreign food foreign hotels like how you doing are you holding up um everything going good so he meant like physically spiritually how, how you doing anything i can help you with um but i was i was still in my head turning over this giant that i needed to kill so he said how how you doing and i said i think i i think i wrote the wrong letter on my rock um i think 
you know, I, I said that fear was my giant. Um, and he said, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And I said, everything I don't have control of. And he said, your, your giant's not fear. Your giant's control. I mean, if, if you are only afraid of things you don't have control of, your giant is not fear. Your giant is control. And the reason you're afraid um, is because you don't have control and I guess you don't trust God has control. So maybe your giant is trust. Maybe it's not even control. You don't trust God with all the things you're not in control of, which is everything. I mean, Ryan, you and I are, are sitting at this table um, doing this podcast. I have no control of whether or not my heart beats one more time. I, like, like, no, like none at this moment. Um, I have no control of whether the blood vessels in my head are all going all gonna to keep going till the end of this podcast or you know, whether, whether I would have a stroke or an aneurysm. Um, I, I have no control what people outside this building are doing. When I, when I leave here today and drive to Summit Christian for football practice, I have no control of any of the other cars that are on the road. Uh, I have no control of the weather ever where a tornado might hit, might not hit. I have no control of any airplane that I've ever flown on. Uh, I really have no control over my kids, their health, um, what might be growing in their body that's tumorous or cancerous. I mean, when you really sit down and look at it, it's like we have no control of anything. So we, so, so suffering sometimes highlights that, but the reality is in life, God, God will get your attention and he'll say, you can trust me or no, but you will get to a point where you realize you are not in control. And when you realize that, you're going to have to choose who is. And you can, I mean, you, you can let the government be in control. You can let the latest health magazine be in control, or you can, you can trust your life to the God of the universe who existed in eternity past, exists in eternity future, says he sees you, knows you, has every day of your life written before one of them comes to be. He holds you in his hand. The devil can't capture you out of mind. All those promises of the Bible. God says you can choose to trust me or you can trust yourself. But suffering is a big wake-up call that, uh, wow, I thought I did everything right. I can't tell you how often I talk to people who have had health issues who will say, I did everything right, and then this happened. Um, but what they're saying is I thought I was in control of the situation, but now I'm not. What do you do? Then you have to trust your you have to trust your life to something bigger than you. Um, and I and I choose the God of the Judeo Christian faith, the God of the sixty six books of the Bible that that we put our trust in. And and we're looking at for outcomes that we want to control, right? And when we're suffering, when it's difficult, we want to control that we're going to get healed, right? That the doctors are going to fix us or the medicine's going to work, right? We want to control that, and that is the difficult part. Is we don't have control, and that's where we, like you said, we have to learn to to lean on God. That's where we learn trust. That's where we become more like Jesus, which is where we become more useful when we're, when we're done with our time of suffering. You know, the second powerful reality of suffering is that seasons of suffering will strengthen and, and deepen relationships like nothing else can. I, I greatly appreciated your, your practical suggestions on how we can help a suffering friend. Uh, we, we so desperately want to fix our friend's circumstances. Would, would you share some practical ideas you've used when you've ministered to individuals or families who are experiencing suffering? Yeah, so I've done a lot wrong. I'm a, I'm a fixer. Um, I, I like to fix things. I like to help things make sense. I like to have answers. It makes me feel better uh, when someone who's suffering, if, if, they can, if they can feel better, it makes me feel better. Suffering makes me feel uncomfortable. So I like to walk into the room um, 
and and have answers sometimes for the people, but sometimes for me, because it just makes me feel better. And I've probably done a really poor job in the past at walking with people through suffering. So the three practical tips that I gave in this message, just be there. Don't try to fix it. Sometimes you can't and do what you see needs to be done without being asked. I mean, those like those are the three things I'm now trying to do as as the pastor of a church, as a husband, as a dad. Uh, and that's that's what I think our our people should do. Just be there. Your greatest gift in the time of suffering is your presence. Just be around. Keep showing up. If you see something that needs to be done, just do it. Uh, don't ask somebody, hey, do you need someone to mow your yard? If it looks like they need to have their yard mowed, mow the yard. Um, if you feel in your spirit somebody would have an easier day if they didn't have to make dinner, take them dinner. Don't ask. Do you want us to bring you dinner? Because most people, and really I learned this from one of our team members, uh, Jamie Fernandez, who just lost his brother-in-law um, two and a half months ago uh, in a car accident. I mean, told told our team the greatest thing he's learned through this is he didn't know what he needed, but people just kept showing up and bringing it. And he said, you know, don't ask, just do. Don't ask, just do. Just when you see what needs to be done, just do it. So I think being there, uh, being there even before you're asked um, and and trying to see what needs to be done and just doing that are, are, are huge without trying to answer all the questions because sometimes there are no answers to questions. I mean, when you read the book of Job, 80% of the book of Job is a bunch of hot air because it's people trying to answer questions that can't be answered. It's people trying to fix a situation that they have no clue how to fix. There's really, really no good solution. So I would say love people, be there, help them. Um, don't try to explain it away. Don't try to have all the answers. Just just be there. Just, just love people well. Um, and if you see people choosing isolation or implosion or condemnation or anger um, or temptation, pray for them. At some point, take in another friend to help them. And just try to help them see where they're heading down a, a bad road. I don't think we want to let people just walk walk away from God, throw away their life if we can help it. Uh, but I think in the in the initial stage, just be there, just be around, um, cry with them, give them a shoulder to cry on, just keep checking in, just just keep being present. That's the best thing you can do. I have done a lot of visits, and I have found the less words is better, and and just really being there and letting them know that you care, and that's that's been the best. Uh, best way for me to get to care for people. Pastor Chris, excuse me, Pastor Christian, the author and, and pastor Tim Keller has, has really influenced your teachings on suffering. And this quote by Keller is so true. God uses trouble to show us where true joys are to be found. Is suffering one of God's pruning tools to show us what is truly important? And if so, what what should be our response when, through suffering, we look through a painful window and see what is most important in our life? Yeah, so one of the most powerful ways that God uses suffering is He helps us reprioritize the most important things in our life. Uh, we, have a, we have a couple in our church that just lost a baby at, at eight months, um, eight, eight months from conception. Um, it just It just didn't make it. And talking talking to the dad after that, so they had to go to the hospital. They found out there wasn't a heartbeat. Um, they had to de- deliver the little baby, beautiful little boy. We did his funeral a couple weeks after at our church. He said, when I got back from the hospital, um, he said, my little girl came walking up to me. And she had never been more valuable, more important. Like I had, it had never been more important to love her than it was in that moment. Not that he took her life for granted, but but suffering exposed that life is not guaranteed. So there was this 
this moment of an outpouring of love that, that just reprioritizes things in our mind. Um, and, and what we said in Sunday's message is God will have to, he'll have to borrow from comfort and freedom. What we, what we want in life is comfort and freedom. We want to be happy. Um, we want to be healthy. We want to make a good paycheck. We want to have great vacations. We want to have great times with, with friends. Um, but the reality is the most important things in life, according to scripture. And remember, God, God has created us. So the owner's manual that he wrote for us is the way we function best. Says that we need to love God first. We need to love our family second. We need to live in in community, and then we need to make a difference, right? So I mean, those those are the keys. When when we go through suffering, we might lose a job, we might lose a house, we might um, lose a little bit of identity, we might even suffer in our health. But if all those things help us press into God, spend more time with family, live in great Christian community and find out what the one or two things in life that, that we want to do. Even if we've only got two weeks left, these are the one or two ways I want to make a difference. If we press in and do those with the rest of our life, suffering can be used as something to funnel us in the direction of who God created us to be. And I, I, I think that's what Keller's referring to when he says that God uses trouble to show us where true joys are to be found. Um, when, when we struggle with stuff, we think, well, this is the most important thing in life anyway, so I'm going to cling to that. Uh, and we become who God, I think, has truly created us to be. The last question today is really at the heart of your message. Paul writes in Second Corinthians, he says, Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, one of your goals in your message is to help us, uh, help give us the mindset of ministry, not misery. When we experience suffering, one of one of the hardest things to do in the midst of suffering is to transfer our thinking off of ourselves and our present circumstances and onto others who may be experiencing suffering. How how do we change our mindset off of ourselves and onto others when we experience suffering? So I'm going to give a similar answer to the last question last week. This is hard to do in the midst of suffering. You know, I, I don't think in the midst of suffering, we are we are always looking around thinking, well, who else has it worse than I do that I can help or how can I leverage this to help? But if we fight through suffering, if if we believe that God uses suffering, if we believe that suffering can always serve a purpose, if we believe suffering can help us become more like Jesus and ultimately will help us develop deeper relationships, like if we can believe the things that we've been learning, if we can believe the things that the Bible has been teaching us, then what, then what the hope that we have is that eventually, like today stinks, this week stinks, this month stinks, but eventually God is going to use this. Um, and he didn't do this to me just so that he could use it later, but because a broken world, because the consequences of a broken world are the suffering that I'm going through right now. God sees that and he's not going to waste it. God's never going to waste a hurt. He's, he's eventually going to use this. So I think... The, while we're in suffering, I think we just have to continue to remind ourselves of a Christian perspective, our plan. God can use this. God is with me. Um, God will redeem this. God will use this to make me better. He'll use this to make me stronger. He'll use this to make me healthier. It's okay to focus on yourself if you understand what God's doing. But as you come out of suffering, as soon as you get healthy, you need to start looking around at others who went through what you've gone through. We said in the first message of the series, one of the greatest things about surviving the fire 
is realizing you're fireproof so that you can run back into the furnace. When you see someone who's near and dear to you in it, you can think, I've been there. It doesn't kill me. It doesn't burn me. It doesn't even make me smell like smoke. I have the ability now that I've been in the furnace and out of the furnace to go back in and rescue people time and time again. So I think suffering... While you're going through suffering, we need to have that Christian theology. We need to have a Christian perspective. We need to know God is shaping us. God is with us. God's going to use it. And then as soon as we come out of it, we need to start looking around and seeing others going through similar situations and let our stories, um, let our stories serve to help someone else. Let our hurt serve to bring hope to someone else. That's, that's really, that's really the thought of this message. You know, message number one, God's with you. You're not alone. Message number two, God will use this. If you'll let him, suffering can produce. Message number three, what it produces is you get to make it through it, and then you get to help somebody else make it through it. That's kind of been our journey of suffering the last three weeks. When you're going through it, focus on God. Focus on Jesus. Focus on yourself. Um, Let God produce something in you. But as soon as you get through it, you're going to run back into it, not in your life, but in someone else's life, so you can pull them out too. I think one of the greatest examples at our church is actually the gal who leads our grief share, Pastor Jason's mom, you know, who lost her husband and uh, and is now ministering to, I want to say, an army of ladies and, and men who, who've suffered the loss of a loved one, uh, many of them, um, their, their husband or their, their wife. So they're now being used. So many of them are, are letting their story and their strength they've gained through that tough situation to now minister to others in our church. So uh, it's been a great testimony seeing Terry uh, minister to people in grief here, here on Monday nights. Uh, you know, Pastor Christian, the past two episodes on suffering have been invaluable. Uh, thank you for addressing this topic. I, I believe God will continue to use this series to comfort others. And here's the best part. The Activate podcast and Sunday's message are archived on the Internet and easily shareable for people you may know uh, who are hurting or need to hear these messages and podcasts. Um, we We continue to hear how people are sharing these resources with their friends and family who are going through a season of suffering. Don't hesitate if you're listening to this podcast and a face or a name pops into your mind. That's the Holy Spirit. Listen to them, share these resources with them, and follow up with them to ask them what they thought. This this is good ministry. Uh, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.